0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also, be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack.
1: You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Um, I'm here with no other than the one and only Parker McDonald, and I, myself, Matthew Reeves. Uh, We are jumping on tonight. It's going to have a fun little roundtable discussion uh, with a good friend of ours but first off me, me and parker have been uh been pretty busy uh in the turkey woods none to say the less it's it's hard to hard to not think about something like this but if you listen to our partner channel uh limb hanger uh, you probably hear a lot of our stories whether it be success or our failures we constantly are talking on there so if you if you really want to dive into the turkey hunting content go over to limb hanger check that out but uh real quick parker How's it going, man? Good to have you back on with us. Dude, we kinda took like a two week hiatus <laughs> for uh well, yeah. Yeah, from, from this season. podcast.
1: It it was it's hard. It's a lot harder than I thought to uh try to record two podcasts a week. I know it sounds like it should be simple, but most of the time when people can record it's seven thirty, eight thirty, even later than that sometimes. And so like we're in the turkey woods. Uh, I've been up at two more than likely I have been up since two thirty, three thirty in the morning and you get tired and it's really easy to talk yourself like, yeah, oh, we're just going to skip
2: this week. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, we we don't have nothing to talk about. We're good. It, well, you know, you know the, we have plenty to talk about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, is there was a, there was a, a miscommunication, not, not even that on my end, um, The guy who uploads all the podcasts for the Sportsman's Empire, who were the network that we're part of, uh, he went out of town for a couple weeks and it completely slipped my mind that we were supposed to have several episodes to him ahead of time. And so whenever that didn't happen, it was kind of like whenever I was like, oh, crap, you know, we're going to be. Yeah, whatever. So, you know, I was just kind of I wouldn't say taking it easy. I've been hustling, trying to get work done and turkey hunting, but it's been. It's been a killer turkey season. I am loving it. I'm loving all the conversation around limb hanger. Um, and, and it's going great, dude. I mean, and even the turkey hunting has been next level good this year. Um, had a lot of it's good made hunts. It's
2: made up for our deer season, hasn't it? It, it?
1: absolutely has. I, I think it has. I, I ended deer season with a bad taste in my mouth, man. Like... Just I it was just a tough season, which for anybody who followed along with us during and deer season, um, I whined and complained like a little baby girl about my kidney stones so much. Uh good news. We gave, tell, yeah, we tell gave the good news. <laughs> we, gave we gave birth to a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful crystallized rock formation uh last week. Um <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's the same kidney stone that caused me so much grief in the fall because then I never passed it and uh I had a little little fight with it a couple a couple nights ago um in the middle of the night got up and you know same old thing started hurting real bad and then the next morning you know I labor was short and delivery was short and uh to be honest with you i'm pretty sure it's sitting still sitting on a napkin next to my stove hey, it's like when i want put,
2: to put it in a jar or like a tooth or something <laughs> when
1: you work so hard for something like that you're like i don't i'm not quite ready to throw that thing away yet freaking <laughs> nasty kidney stone oh but well, shoot wait. you know like i said we had i had a bad taste in my mouth for deer season last year um but we realized that not everybody did and um Dude, we, one of the things we've been trying to figure out, talking about tactics versus talking about, um, like, just stories and things like that. And it seems like people that we have talked to really are interested in hearing some good hunting stories. And, um, man, I think there are, I know I know a lot of people who had great seasons last year. Um, you and I were not among those people. I wouldn't say we had terrible seasons. It just weren't amazing. And, uh, but over the off season, really, we got to, kind of got to know a fella through our Patreon. Uh, and, uh, so we invited him to come on the show. J Bo, how's it going, buddy?
0: Pretty good. Can y'all hear me?
1: Oh yeah. We got you good. Loud and clear. Got you.
0: All right. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you.
1: Well, you know, J Bo, I got to, I kind of got to get to know you in person a little bit at our, uh, turkey camp back in March in Florida and you know, finally able to, to kind of put a, a, what should I say? A a face with the name, Um, you know, that was, I want to say that was before you had just joined our Patreon, uh, like right before that, it seems like. And uh, man, as I got to know you, you kind of the life of the party, you always got a fun story to tell. And uh, from what I understand, you've got a, incredible story to tell from this fall
0: i appreciate that parker i do um you talking about that epic day this year where i killed the uh biggest buck of my life at eight o'clock in the morning and then i killed
1: the biggest buck of my life at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> that's the one <laughs>
0: that's the one i'm
1: talking about yep yep funny enough yeah, that's yeah. the same one that i'm referring to uh um, yeah that's a pretty epic day for me in the deer woods i'll tell you that dude before we get into that day but that's a good one uh, J dive into a little bit about yourself, where you live and, uh, what you do for a living. Cause that's, uh, you have a pretty interesting job too.
0: Yeah. So, uh, my name is Jabo, um, 43. I live in North central Florida. Um, one thing I better mention or I'll get in trouble. I've been, uh, married to an amazing woman for 20 years Been with her for 28 years. she has been with me luckily. You know, I, and I say that because, uh, she put up with all my BS over the years and my obsession with the outdoors and hunting. And, you know, she's my biggest fan. She's always standing there at the garage door when I'm coming home late at night. She's, you don't have to, well, there's no words anymore. She just looks at me and I look at her and go, she just gives me that, like, mama, come just here. Knows.
2: Yeah. She knows.
0: <laughs> but uh, every once in a while I get lucky and I bring some meat home and she's all happy. And she's, like I said, my biggest fan. We make a big feast the next day and my kids get involved and, but uh, I work for I work for the state um, and I'm in the reserve. I've, most of my adult life, I've been in the military. Uh, 17 years, it seems like forever, but I've you know deployed all over the world and. Uh, you know, just kind of. Had three or four near death experiences, and so I'm much different than I used to be, me, used to be real serious and took life way too seriously. And now I'm kind of more laid back and just it takes a lot to get me uh, riled up and I'm, I just enjoy living life and I like to make people laugh, like cut up and have a good time. And I and, uh, work, so, like I say, I work for the state and I, I travel all over the state and I collect ro- roadway survey data in a, in a very specialized, um, like roadway survey vehicle. It's got all this special equipment on it and camera systems and lasers. And I run up and down the highways, state highway system collecting data that ultimately gets uh, sent off to Tallahassee and they use that data to allocate funding. But anyway, that's boring stuff. Um, yeah, I just addicted to the outdoors. I love to hunt. I've been hunting. It's almost embarrassing to say how long I've been hunting. Uh, if you try to say how, how successful I've been, like, if you look at my deer wall and you go, you've been hunting that long. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, the, the truth is, man, I just, um, you know, I've been hunting since I was about 10 years old and, you know, love my dad to death. He's a great man. He's a heck of a mechanic. He's one of the best small engine mechanics I've ever, that I know in my life, you know, that I've ever met, but deer hunting just wasn't one of those gifts God gave him. And he tried and he was my mentor. And we, we went, we spent many years doing things kind of the wrong way. And he got up there in age and kind of, kind of took a back seat and I kind of went on my own. And about five years ago, I kind of took everything I thought I knew about deer hunting and just kind of threw it away. And I started from scratch and, you know, uh, watch YouTube, watch the, uh, listen to the podcast, you know, and became a Patreon a couple of years ago too. Cause I like to, I like to support guys who provide content, especially that I could use and help myself grow. And so I've been a Patreon various groups for several years. And, uh, just recently, I'd say probably June or July, right before the September opener this past season, I, uh, tried this Marco Polo thing that people have been telling me about and, I don't have any social media and I was kind of very hesitant at first. Cause I was like, I don't get on this thing and talk to people. Well, and
1: let me, let me interrupt mm-hmm. you real quick for people who don't know what, what Marco Polo is. Um, yeah, sure. Mark cause Marco Polo. Anybody can have Marco Polo, right? Like it's a, it's a video chat app. Uh, but we use that um, same way as chasing tails does our buddy Walt. We use that as a way to actually have like direct communication with all the people who support our show, and um, we get to have these one-on-one conversations, and you know, you mentioned a while ago, uh, Jaybo, you were talking about your wall being, uh, like, you really you've been hunting this long, you know, uh, I, I I gotta say, dude, like, whenever like through tur- I know turkeys is a lot newer for you than even deer right. is, um, but I've watched kind of how you you're very mindful like you you have questions after every hunt you'll hear like if we if 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 I get on there and I skip past something that um it, like I say something and I just kind of skip through it you'll get on there and be like wait a second I heard you say this could you explain that more so that's kind of what we do in that is like we really try to um it's it's like hunting with other with other people. You learn a lot when you go hunting with somebody else and you can bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, and that's what Marco Polo is in our Patreon group. We're all just kind of like, hey, I'm wondering about this. What do you guys think about this? And uh, we're all just kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And uh, And I, I've seen through turkey season how attentive you are to a lot of the details of things that we're talking about. And so, you know... I, I, I totally get where you're coming from, though. Like, a lot of people grew up kind of just hunting the wrong way. You know, just, you didn't know it, and you still enjoyed it, but you didn't maybe realize that there could actually be a significant amount of success if you put the time into learning how to do it. And uh, I was, you know, me and my dad, kind of the same way. We grew up just kind of going out. You know, we were in Texas. Go in the bush. Yeah, we were in Texas, so we could hunt over corn feeders and that's just pretty much what we did and Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway I don't even know where I was going with that to be honest with you I just think like talking about you you were talking about Marco Polo I wanted to explain that but just talking through your your success rate you know growing up versus Mm -hmm. right now it seems like things are kind of coming together and I think a lot of that has to do with just being kind of being an open book with people and asking a lot of questions, and like you said, consuming this content that's out there freely for you, you're really taking it and uh, applying it, and I think that's pretty cool. Right.
0: Well, yeah, so, and... what I'd like to add real quick about the Marco Polo thing is, you know, just like you mentioned, because, um, you know, YouTube is great, podcasts are great, um, depending on what you're looking for, where you're going to hunt, but, you know, it's it's a one-way conversation, and if you don't quite understand, especially being a new hunter, you don't understand, well, what do you mean by it? thermals and what do you what do you mean by this or that and I don't know you know there's so much that I didn't understand. I was just listening I was absorbing this information, didn't know what to do with it. But the Marco Polo thing, uh, you know, through the Patreon subscription was you know, I hate to use the cliche hashtag game changer, but it honestly was because like you mentioned, I could not only network with guys kind of local to my area so they understand, you know, what's going on in my area, the rut, understanding all that, you know, and, and like you said, I could hit up hit people up individually or we could have a group conversation about it. And then you can network with guys in your area. And I've met up with many guys in our group that just we go out scouting together. We do some hunts together. We do the Patreon deer hunt together and it just really uh it changed everything for me. You know, and anybody listening to this who hasn't is not taking advantage of that is uh is really missing out. Yeah.
2: And I've I've found for me, like I I, I have friends that aren't hunters and so if something exciting happens to me in the woods like i find like a big deer bed or like a crazy story the other story i'm, I'm gonna get you to tell the story that happened <laughs> to you the other day yeah. as well tonight oh, yeah. um because those are cool things but who all who who out of your non-friend hunters are gonna care about that you know your friends that are non-hunters not many people care about that so when you can get a group of guys who are devoted to deer hunting and obsess over it. And you can have a five minute conversation and they actually listen to the whole thing <laughs> and care about it. It's pretty cool.
0: Right. Right. Exactly. And because, you know, another thing too is, you know, obviously it's easy to like celebrate in someone's success, but you learn a lot from people's failure too. And I'm, I'm one where I've, I think I learned the most from failure because, you know, it, it's home, it's emotional, mm-hmm. you know, you go like this Turkey season. I hunted my butt off this year. And although I didn't kill a turkey, I learned so much and I was able to pick up from other people that what, you know, their success and what they were doing. And it really helped me grow as a turkey hunter. And I've only, this is my first season, well, serious season. I, I tried turkey hunting a couple of years ago. And I don't know if you'd even call it turkey hunt, what I was doing, but it was during turkey season. That's about <laughs> it.
2: Um, but, but this year. Probably you know, like that my- guy I saw last week.
0: Yeah, you know, just learning how to um how to call, when to call, how to speak the language. You know, Parker, I mean, you're a really good example of that, man. You had an epic epic year this year. And uh and many others too, right? You know, Pat Von Coy tagging out, you know, during the t- tr- you know, the yeah. Patreon tour him and uh and Chuck up in Pennsylvania just absolutely uh, epic stories, man. And uh just pretty much just being able to learn and grow in my turkey hunting journey, you know, so
1: it's so cool. It shortens the learning curve. That that's the thing I always say, like, like I've seen a lot of people, uh, in a similar situation where, you know, man, it, it would be, it's tough when you've been hunting your whole life and you've been doing the same thing over and over again. It's tough to do any type of subscription thing. You're like, I already, why would I spend money on doing this? Like it's, it's, uh, I've been doing it my whole life, but when you when you step into a new style of hunting, you know, I think I think it's easy, especially when you are talking about typically what we what we talk about is public land deer and turkey hunting. That's usually what we're referring to when we're talking about hunting. Some of us hunt on private land every once in a while, but usually it's this like running gun style of hunting. That's what we're all kind of bouncing off of each other. Um, man, that's a whole new ball game. It's a whole it's a whole different set of tactics and strategies. Um, so, when people kind of transition into that style of hunting, having groups of people that you can bounce things off of, and I, what I don't mean is a Facebook group where people are going to degrade you and tell you to quit being a hunter. If you ask stupid questions in those kind of groups, you're usually going to get stupid responses. Maybe I should say, if you ask, um, if you ask, basic questions you're gonna like a new yeah like like a a, like a new hunter would people in those groups are gonna give you a hard time whereas um in this in these marco polo groups that's the that's what it's for that's what it's there for it's there to ask questions and man i i think i know it's it's our marco group but i learned a lot as well hearing from what other guys do and uh it's just a good a good thing overall overall and we're stoked that you're a part of it man and uh but but i, I guess matt before we get into the story about these deer we want to just start on a funny note i really would love to hear the uh the full version of this the the fish fry that uh J-Bo got Jaybo went out <laughs> for turkeys came back with a fish fillet do you want to know more about saddle hunting well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs tethered is for saddle hunters by saddle hunters and they're redefining ultralight hunting if you know me you know that i love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment where everything works together and we preach about it a lot on this podcast when you buy from tethered you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system saddles platforms ropes climbing sticks and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com, check them out. Whether you're looking for a new knife for the field or the perfect everyday carry, you've got to check out Join or Die Knives from Richmond, Virginia. Join or Die is a small shop and a custom knife maker dedicated to creating handmade knives that are cut above the rest. They make custom handmade knives to fit any need from the field, the kitchen, or just an everyday carry, and they come in several different steel and finish options. They've also got a ton of options for the handle as well. Plus, if you don't see something you like, you can always order a completely custom knife forged to your exact specs. I highly recommend you check them out. Get yours at JoinOrDieKnives.com and use the code SGHUNT to save 10%. That's all uppercase, all one word, S-G-H-U-N-T.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. So I was trying to I was trying to make a move on this Gobbler that, you know, I he'd been slipping on me last couple days, and I'd seen his track. He was he was a phantom. He would not make a sound. But after making moves on him, I would work my way back to the truck and I'd see Gobbler track in the the two track I had just walked down and one of them was in my boot print. I'm like, you sucker, man. So I'm trying to make a move on. I'm trying to predict where he's going. So the next morning I come in and I get to a four way intersection and I'm listening. I I decided that I wasn't going to make a sound because I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence about locator calls anyway. And it's mostly just because of my lack in confidence with them. So I just figured I'd go in there and just be quiet and just let the woods wake up, you know, and, uh, off in the distance, just about prime time when all the birds started chirping and was waking up, I thought I heard a phantom gobble off to my like two o'clock position. And I'm like, you know, sometimes like, man, you you doubt it. Like, is that that one right there? You know, you want it so bad. You're like, man, am I making this up? I'm like, I'm pretty sure that was a gobble. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going for it. So I got my gear on and I'm, I started heading. I was basically uh, heading South, Southeast towards a lake. This management has got a big lake on it. And I figured I would just, get down in there and use the lake to kind of skirt the edge and then come up and try to find him, you know? And uh, I got down in there and it just, I got myself in a pickle. It got way thicker than I than I was expecting. I kept telling myself just a little bit further and maybe open up it a little, you know, I'm looking at the map, you know, I'm trying to, trying to stay optimistic, but it just got so thick in there that I was like, I finally had to accept it. I had made a bad move and I had to work my way back out. And I'm sitting there standing there and I'm, I think I was poloing you guys. Explaining it to you, and it was so thick, and I was pulling you guys, showing you, man. Like, man, I, man, I merely messed up on this one. And just about that time, I started hearing some screeching and some ruckus up in the tree above me, and I'm like, oh man, there's two, there's two bald eagles up there, and they got a nest, and and they weren't full on dive bombing me or anything, but they were they were making it known they weren't happy that I was there. And so I'm like, oh Lord, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I don't want to get, you know. dive bombed by these evils, so i start backing yeah exactly i don't that's a big bird man i didn't want to mess around with him so i started backing out real slow and i'm kind of glad it actually happened because my original approach was terrible and i got into so such thick stuff that i would have never got through it without you know making a bunch of ruckus so i come all the way around and started back up the two track and i said well and then i saw this little look like a deer trail I said, "Well, I'm gonna follow that deer trail, and I'll kind of just stay away from them." I figured I'd work about 200 yards to the north of them, and it sure enough, man, it was fifth you know, row pines in there, and it was it opened up pretty good. And I was like, "Man, this is this is nice." I could see a bird pitching down in here, you know. This it started looking real good, so I was kind of like, "Man, this is looking good," you know. I, I was real down first, but now this is looking great. And I forgot to mention when I was up in that thick stuff before them eagles started making a ruckus, I I I heard a bird you know, the wing beats, and I heard the bird hit the ground, boom, and I'm like, okay, that was, that had to have been him, he was by himself, you know, just one single bird, It sounded real heavy when it he hit the ground, but I just couldn't get eyes on him, but anyways, when I came around, I'm working away from these eagles, I know where they are, I'm kind of keeping them in my crew field, I'm working, I'm about two, I'm guesstimate 200 yards from them, but I'm kind of working away from them, and I got my back turned, and I'm looking down at the ground, and I'm kind of just trying to find some fresh sign, you know, some scat, or some, dust bowl or some scratching or anything that would kind of just bring my confidence level up, you know? And then all of a sudden I hear, I kind of feel this whoa on my back and I'm like, what the heck? And I turn around and I look and there's this Eagle full flare, full wings out, talons, and she's screeching and she's bailing out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, I, and I'm like, what in the hell just hit my, excuse me, what in the heck just hit my back? <laughs> and I turn around and I look down. There's like a half pound bluegill sitting on the ground. you, <laughs> I'm 300 yards easy from water, like from that lake. And it was the most, it was the craziest thing that ever happened to me. I, I had to pull it immediately because I'm like, I'm putting my life on the line here, but y'all are not going to believe that this happened to me. <laughs> and I, I, mean, it, I mean, she had really I mean, she was dead accurate. She nailed me straight in the back with that half-pound bluegill. Um, <laughs> and I just, you know, and I had to pull it because I knew nobody would believe me if, if they didn't see the bluegill. And I even took my therm- my thermosail on the ground so y'all could see how big this bluegill was. It was big it, old bluegill. It was a big bluegill. It, it looked it like a big. crappie. Yeah, it I thought it was weird, a crappie too. at first. That was crazy. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so that was, I got her message. To me, she was saying, like, here's some food go you know go away and i i didn't i didn't want there to be a strike three she'd already warned me back when i come up on her and then then she threw a bluegill at me and nailed me in the back and i said i don't want it to be a third time because i figured a third time she'd be putting talents in my neck or something
1: you're gonna look up you need to look up what does it mean when eagles throw fish like it's yeah. probably it's probably their mating call she probably thought look at that stud, yeah. look at that stud Man, right there was... walking through the woods i'm gonna give him a fish
0: yeah, I don't know, man. But I, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to stand around and figure it out. I, I, I <laughs> totally abandoned going after that turkey. I said, I'll get him another day. He's gonna, he can die another day. And I, started making my way out, crashing through the gallberries and palmettos, making all kind of ruckus getting out of here. Because I'm like, that eagle is, that's scary, man.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> there's, I mean, it's just one of those moments that you really, there really needed to be a camera. Somehow, some way, you needed to have a camera on you because I would have loved to have seen that.
2: Um, wow, you had the whole the whole thing.
1: But you know that's a that's a pretty wild thing to have happen. It's a it's a rare thing. I don't think a lot of people have had encounters like that with eagles. But another rare thing in the woods is to be able to kill two bucks in one day, um, in one sit. And even rarer is for both of those to be your biggest bucks ever. Uh, from what you kind of hinted at earlier that that also happened to you this year
0: yeah yeah it was a day I will never forget and uh I'm completely okay with accepting that was gonna be the best day was the best day for me ever in the deer woods because I don't ever plan on topping that or even getting close to it um but yeah one the first buck I shot he scored just just under 90 inches. And I thought, man, that was a great buck. Not just not just rack size, but Which like we're his talking body size.
1: we're talking Florida too.
0: Yeah, yeah
2: Florida, so, like South Florida.
0: Yep. Yeah, so we're north central Florida and to shoot a ninety inch deer, you know, you've done something. You've had a pretty good hunt. And to shoot uh, Florida registry is you know a hundred and anything over a hundred inches. And um no,
1: I know, thought it was ninety inches. I thought it was ninety in in Florida. So
0: it's a hundred. Hundred inches in Florida, okay. and that's uh that's net. Even though I don't I don't really agree with net scores. I think nets are for fish. But anyway, so then the second <laughs> <laughs> the second bucket, I shot him at ten o'clock in the morning, same tree, you know, and uh, he was he scored 112 inches. and um, but it was crazy because uh I mean this this hunt started five years ago, but we ain't got that long. Uh, we don't have that long on the podcast to talk about it. But I'll basically say. This hunt started. We'll say I killed them on. I killed them both of them on on a Sunday morning. And it, this hunt started technically on a Wednesday or no Thursday. Thursday I was hunting on a quota hunt with my dad. My dad and I don't get the chance to hunt a whole lot. He drew a pretty good quota, and there was no question I was going to go with him, you know, because um, the roles have kind of flipped a little, you know. He used to be my uh, hunting mentor, and now I'm kind of his hunting mentor, you know. He doesn't get out as much as I do, and I spend a, I spend most of my time in the woods. If I'm not hunting, I'm scouting. And if I'm not scouting, I'm, you know, just looking for other spots to scout and hunt. So it's just, it's nonstop for me. You know, it's definitely 365, but I'm definitely obsessed with hunting. And, uh, but anyway, so I was on this quota, uh, hunt with my dad, went in there on Thursday and, uh, and what I did on Thursday, even though the hunt started Thursday morning, neither one of us could get over there. So I, I rode over there Thursday evening and didn't even plan on hunting, just figured I'd ride the roads, figure out where people are. Because I like to, you know, just like Jeremy Aaron says, you know, I like to figure out where all the hunters are and use the hunters to my advantage to, you know, try to make a play, you know, especially on public land, you know. That's pretty much what I did is I went over there on Thursday and just kind of scouted where people were so when my dad and I could get in there on Friday, we'd have a, we'd have somewhat of a game plan and I can, he can't climb a tree anymore. Um, He sits on, he hunts off the ground now. Uh, He's had some medical issues over the years that prevent him from being able to climb in ladder stands or anything like that. So he he hunts off the ground. So whenever I take my dad with me, I always try to focus on ground hunting, sitting on the ground for him. And then I'll go uh, basically work around him trying to, trying to really, I want him to be successful. You know, it means a lot for me to uh, see that he's successful. Anyway, so we, we hunted pretty hard uh, Friday and Saturday, and I remember the hunt was going pretty good. You know, I was making some moves, and I was starting to get closer and closer and having some encounters. I would even actually, some does actually educated me on a real hot feed tree that I didn't even know was there. So I made a move and uh, got up near this three-way transition, you know, and uh, was expecting these deer to come out of this swamp and hit this feed tree. It was early earlier season, you know, or tree. Uh, late archery and uh and they did they uh they came right out there and they fed on that tree and you know the whole time I'm thinking you know it's 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 getting closing time on on Sunday or or Saturday evening there and closing time where I've only got a little bit before last light and it's over you know and we got to make a play for Sunday and uh man I just kept thinking about my other spot you know I knew there was a big buck in there I'd been chasing him for a while he kept you know Kept winning the game, kept you know slipping me, making the slip and getting away from me. So I just kept thinking, man, if I only had these conditions, I could move in there. And I kid you not, man, it just happened. The wind shifted, and I start. I got to thinking, and I'm looking on my my various apps that I use. You know, I like Sporting forwards for for weather. I mean, it's one of the best. Even some of the other guys will tell you, you know, Brett Smashman to tell you, you know, and even Waltz mentioned it like. Spartan Forge is great for predicting the weather. That's what I like using it for the most. And so I started, I pulled up my, app, my phone real quick and I'm looking at the weather and I'm like, man, this this wind has shifted to exactly what I need it to be. And I started kind of looking at the forecast and I'm like, man, I can make a move on that spot. But that in the back of my mind, I'm like, how do I tell my dad I can't hunt with him? And I, I've got to go kill this deer. Like This is everything I've been waiting for. All the conditions are perfect, you know? And so, uh, you know, I get down, you know, it didn't happen. Um, the buck I was waiting on over there, he never showed up. But anyways, I, I'm climbing down, I'm packing my gear up, and I'm just like the whole time I'm like rehearsing in my in my head, like, hey, what am I going to tell How am I going to explain this to my dad? Like, I'm just like, how do you tell your dad, like, dad, I can't hunt, man. I, I got to go get this buck. I got to chase this buck. I got to leave this quota hunt with you and go over and, and make a move on this buck I've been chasing. And You know, I was having a hard time trying to make – come up with the right words and i just got to the truck and my dad's there and he's waiting on me and i said you know i pretty much told him hey man this this situation so you know i've been chasing this deer for a while and all the conditions are perfect for tomorrow i need to make a slip on this deer dad he just looked at me and did that what dads do he just looked me in the eye and he put his hand on my shoulder and he was like go get him son go get him and i I was so worried about you know like letting my dad down my dad was like go go get him go get him like, i'm fine and i was like man i was so relieved I was like man because i didn't want to let my dad down and i felt real bad about you know being on this photo with my dad and having to just kind of stop what we were doing and and go chase this deer and that's but that's what i did and it was one of the hardest things i did but it turned out when my dad supporting me i was like okay I'm, you know game game on game on man so i hold tailed home
1: hey Jabo, i got a i got a question for you real quick um yeah go ahead talking to you you talked about chasing this deer um was this a situation like? Had you been hunting this area regularly? Had you had encounters? Did you have a trail camera? Kind of knew what the area was holding.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, all of that, all of the above. Yeah, I had, I had a couple encounters. Um, I actually two year, two years before killing this buck, I had actually, uh, I actually seen him, put a bad shot on him, hit him right in the shoulder, I had a terrible arrow set up. That's a whole other story for another podcast. But needless to say it wasn't a fatal, fatal hit. He pretty much, you know, he walked off and I ended up seeing him later. He was hundred percent fine. I hit him directly in the shoulder blade with a uh, mechanical broadhead that just wasn't right for my setup and pretty much wasn't prepared to kill that caliber of deer at that time.
1: Yeah. But I had had
0: encounters with him. I had seen him in person a couple of times. Um, he'd busted me a bunch. Like he, he had me, he had me patterned. Like, yeah, the fact that I even had an account with him was he must've had the flu that day or something, because he, there's no way he should have slipped up like he did and gave somebody like me the opportunity two years, two, three years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Still, still learning a lot and doing a lot wrong at that time. And uh, I, I'm still, I still consider myself like a mid-level hunter. You know, I'm not, I'm not new, new, but I'm not like next level. You know, some of these guys that I, I get a chance to interact with and, talk with on the Marco Polo groups and sometimes get a chance to scout and hunt with but yeah so I had had multiple encounters with this guy um even found a shed antler one time uh from him I I have. so go ahead
2: Matthew yeah that's that that is, I'm intrigued with sheds um that's huge for me I, I've I don't know if I've ever found a, a shed of a deer and actually ended up killing that deer um so that that hits home to me because that's something I would, I would like to do. And then to also do it in the state, you're doing it, It's huge. Um, I've, yeah. I've hunted down there some and it's just, it's a different world. Um, it just really is. Yeah.
0: Finding sheds in Florida. I don't know what it is, but it is hard. It is hard to find sheds in Florida. Yeah. Um, and you know, I just, I got lucky. I mean, I literally almost stepped on it and I knew it was his. I only found the one side. I've, I, man, I was so excited jumping up and down. I ran all over the place, trying to find the other side. I could not find it, but I mean, I knew it was his because that one side was pretty unique. pretty uh, unique that year. And I was like, there it is, man, that's him. And so, you know, I never, and I don't, I didn't name him or anything. I just, you know, a uh, couple, couple deer I've named, but for various reasons, but um, this one, I just, I never gave him a name. It just, he was the one that I couldn't kill. I guess that's his name. It can't kill. And, uh, and, and, he he was frustrating the heck out of me, man, because he was so smart. He, like I said, he had me patterned in, and, and uh, you know, just never give up attitude that I have, and and learning from a lot of these guys. Um, there's you know, in particular, there, I could the list goes on and on. There's everyone in our group has something to offer, and but in particular, like uh, Split Shot and Curtis. You know, those are two of my two of the probably the two that I talk with uh, daily. And uh, kind of reach out to them and for advice and like, hey, this is what this is what happened. What do you think, or what do you think about this, or how would you, you know? And so, just kind of talking it over with them, came up with a game plan. And like I said, all those conditions were right on that Sunday morning. I knew I needed to get in there, and I did. I got there super early. I got in, and I was I was hanging in my saddle, uh, at least an hour before daylight. But I had. Worked into where I knew exactly where I wanted to get based on the thermals and in on, on this piece of property. There's, there's this big sinkhole that kind of drops off into a deep like uh, depression. It's like an old depression, but it's it's pretty big. It's several acres large. And in one, we'll call it corner, just because I don't know how else to describe it. There is a. I found it by mistake one time, just by accident. There's a natural spring that blows water out of the ground like ice cold water comes out of the ground bubbles up and then flows about 10 feet and then goes back into the ground and it's real nice and green and lush down in there a little clover natural clover and different brows grow down in there and so just off to one side like 10 yards over from that natural sea barrier there's this real mature laurel oak that was super hot that this year it was dropping like crazy I mean it was one of them born walmack hot feed trees you know that he describes you know just all tore up like somebody went in there with a tiller and just tilled all the leaves up and every creature in the in the the forest was feeding under that tree so I knew that was my that was my ticket in to uh you know possibly getting some some does down there feeding early in the morning and if one was hot happened to be an estrus it would be even better right but I knew all the conditions were right if I had a chance to go in there and him not bust me again this would be it and all I needed was you know a doe to be an estrus and feeding under that tree, and that's exactly what happened. I got in there. It took me about 45 minutes to get into this, you know, slipping in real silent, trying to get in as clean as possible. That's what I describe it when I get on this property. I try to get in there like a surgeon. Just get in, surgically remove deer, and get out as clean as possible and just leave as little disturbance as possible. And uh, that's pretty much what I did. I got in real clean. I felt real good when I got to the base of the tree. And I was real concerned, even though the thermals were right, for where he, where I had a good good idea where he was bedded, but I didn't quite know where the does were bedding. I knew where they were feeding. I figured they'd be by that tree, but I knew the wind would be just off, you know, that just off wind that they talked about. And then if I got busted by them, it would be over. And, but I was able to slip by them. They didn't catch me. I got up in the tree, got settled, got all set up, kind of rehearsed everything in my mind. And this is an hour before shooting light. And uh, so I felt real good about it. And uh, sure enough, right at about first light, I look over my right shoulder about my two o'clock position, because let's say twelve o'clock is the tree and I'm facing the tree. I look over my to my two o'clock position and down in that down in that depressed area, that drainage we'll call it. There she is. She's feeding under that hot feed tree, you know. And I said, there's a dope, big mature doe too. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it's it's about that time, this area, you know, Florida's Florida's ruts is all over the place. I'll just put it to you that way. Florida's rut is crazy. I mean you could go an hour and a half one direction and be completely out of the rut, you know, even you know, so it's pretty crazy. But uh go ahead, you got a question, Parker?
2: Yeah. Um okay. is this are you bow hunting this hunt or is it a gun a gun hunt? It's a gun hunt. Okay, it's a gun hunt. Okay. I didn't know I know a lot of places are different depending on bows and guns, but just curious kind of setting the setting the stage on that
0: yeah yeah no worries sorry to let the bow hunters down
1: my bad I mean, <laughs> ain't no such thing we don't care about them
2: you, you were in you were in for revenge on this deer right. because hey, <laughs> the last time hey, look
0: i am not at the point where i'm ready to go after them with strictly with a bow like you know like brett smash burn and you know chase prince and them guys are you know bow. hey hats off to him i i just hadn't got there yet right now i'm like hey I hunt the seasons. I love archery. I love muzzle and general gun. I love all three. And I benefit from all three of them. But um, I just hadn't got there yet for doing it with a bow strictly. I, I never I ain't,
1: I ain't ever gonna get there. And I, yeah, I and you I'm know. not gonna apologize for it either. Bow hunters. No, I, hear you.
0: I hear you. But anyway, so uh in and, and so I saw her down there feeding under that tree and uh I'm thinking, man, it's it's timing's right. She's a big mature doe. And just about when I was thinking this, I look off my like just on the other side of the tree. I'm looking at my 12 o'clock now. I just see these tines kind of turn like that. And looking down at her, I said, ooh, that's a big buck right there. And it's kind of standing into some thick brush behind some palmettos. And I'm thinking, man, that, that's a good buck. That's a shooter. That's a shooter, you know. And uh, sure enough, he, he did something that she didn't like. And, and she boogered and took off running up the draw. Onto the ridge and then gone out of my life. He took off chasing. That's when I saw him. I was like, dang, that's a big buck. I mean, not only rack, but, you know, body size, big bucks. There they go. I was like, like, man, it's over that quick. Just as quick as it happened, it's over. And all of a sudden, before I even got that thought out my mind, he just hit the brakes, man. He slammed on the brakes. And that doe kept going. He backed up and turned. And started walking to me like on a string and i'm like i didn't know what to think i was like did that just happen like you know when you see something you don't know exactly how to process it you're like uh-huh. okay like common sense what? logic gravity says you know things just physics weren't working out in my mind <laughs> why would fuck that big hit the brakes chasing a hot, obviously hot dough and then it hit me oh dang there's a tank over there because if that buck just hit the brakes there's got to be something over there that he's afraid of and anyway he's walking to me he walks straight to me walks literally under my tree and never and that's that's a cool thing about the thermals right he should have busted me cuz i stood there at the base of my tree and you know I, and i try to be as like i said not only clean is in sound but clean is in scent too you know like i'm really really thoughtful on where i'm stepping what i'm touching not touching but he walked literally the base of my tree, walked under me. But the thermals, I was dropping milkweed, too, kind of to confirm it throughout the entire hunt. But it was pulling down into that, that low area. And so he never smelled me. And he walked right right next to my tree. He walked right behind me. And I turned in the saddle. And I'm turned behind me like this. And I'm braced against the tree. And he's ten, standing 10 yards beside me, behind me. And I said, all, I, all he has to do now is turn broadside. And I am not letting this buck walk. This is a big buck. He's not the buck I came in here for. He's going to die another day. He's going to have to die another day. I remember that's what I said to myself. "It's was like, well, he'll die another day. I'm not missing this opportunity. God has blessed me with this amazing day in the Deer Woods. And I clicked the safety off, and he turned broadside, and I hammered him. Hitting good. And I knew it was a good shot. He ran. And uh, and I've learned this is something else I've learned, too. I used to get all excited and you know wig out, and I don't do that anymore. I stay perfectly calm, yeah. and, I, and I listen. I listen. And I, and I listened to him run off, and I heard him crash. I heard him stumble. I even heard him stop and start to do that wobbly sh- – you know, I couldn't see him, but I could hear him doing it, and he fell over, and I could hear the thrash, you know, thrashing, in the- and then it just went silent. He's like, he's done. Done. Damn. And I, and I was like, man, I was like – looked at my watch, and I was like, 808. And I'm like, God, I can't believe that just happened. I started, you know, trying to keep my nerves, you know, together. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. And I'm just, you know, doing my whole, like, you know, just trying to keep myself together because my <laughs> knees are shaking so
2: bad.
0: If it wasn't for being tethered to the tree, I would have fell, I would have fell plumb out of the tree.
2: Running away.
0: I absolutely lost it. I had to hang my gun <laughs> on the hanger because I couldn't hold it anymore. I was just, like, shaking so bad. I'm just, like, I'm losing it. I'm just absolutely losing it. I remember texting, uh, sending the text to, to Split Shot. And I said, he's down. He's down. And he's like, the big one? The big one? I said, no, no, but he's a good one. And he's like, man, you better hang in there. He so said, do not get down. I was like, and I was thinking the kind of the same thing. It's just 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, man, I got a hot dough. And she didn't even run very far. When I when I shot this buck and I turned around, she was just kind of leaping off. Like It's like she didn't go very far. She didn't booger too hard, didn't spook. And I'm, just, I'm like, okay, so I just sat there, and I kind of gathered myself, and I was like, all right, chamber another round. And then I just settled down, and I just said, okay, let's see what happens. See what happens. I got a deer down. He's over there. It's a nice, cool morning. He's fine. Ain't you know? He'll be all right. And then, uh sure enough, a few minutes later, she come back around, went right back down to that draw and started feeding again, like nothing ever happened. How I how said, long? It was probably not even not even an hour. Forty five minutes. She huh. she felt comfortable enough to work and right back down to that draw. She went right back to that tree and started feeding again, licking her tail, everything. That's what I always look for too. When a deer flicks that tail. That's everything's okay. You know, you ever see him get alert and they'll do that whole checking you out, dogging thing, you know, and that's when yeah. you know it's not good. I, look, I always study that body language, right? But when a deer does that flicker, of that tail all is well, you know, right? Yeah, all is well. And I know that, okay, I won, I won the stare off, you know, but anyway, she's down there just as comfortable as can be feeding again. And I'm like, man, I cannot believe that she's down there feeding again after I just shot this buck 10 yards behind me. And she was, She was probably, at that time, 20 or 30 yards in front of me, maybe 40. And uh, anyway, I I remember sitting there just kind of looking at her, looking back over to where that – because I kept remembering, man, that buck buck slammed on the brakes, man. He hit hit them brakes hard, and he just turned and said, man, I wonder – I just wonder. And sure enough, right around 10 o'clock in the morning, I seen them big giant tines come down that same – you know, later I went over there and kind of scouted it. They were coming down this little access trail from where they were bedding and uh it turns out that other buck i shot that 90 inch buck he was i guess like a satellite buck i'd never seen him before he'd worked into the area and he was basically just you know just probably staying just out of reach of that bigger buck you know just hoping he can get lucky but anyways uh i see these big tines come coming through that same kind of thicket thicket, and you know i start looking and looking and, and sure enough when he exposed his head i could see the see the rack on him i said that's him I mean, I knew that rack. I had dreamed about that rack. I was like, that's him right there. That's him. It's very, very good, uh, very uh, consistent characteristics year to year on this guy. And uh, he did the almost the exact same thing. He came, walked down the ridge, and looked down at her from up top, looking down at her in the draw. And at first, you know, so I got my gun. I got my backpack hanging off the right side in front of me. You know, 12 o'clock is a tree. I got my backpack hanging just off to my right and I like to use it as a gun rest for that, you know, offside shot, you know? And uh, so I get ready, I get my gun, get it all settled. I'm looking at her the whole time because if she spooks, she busts me, it's over. So I'm looking at her and I'm setting my, and I'm getting set and I'm solid as a rock, man. I'm just waiting for him to, to make a move. Cause right now he's quartered pretty hard to me and there's a bunch of stuff and there's a bunch of obstructions in the way. And I, I start picking out shooting. Okay, He steps there. I'm shooting there. If he steps here, I'm shooting there. And I'm watching her the whole time. And she's just doing her thing down there. I said, okay, it's good. It's good. Now, all, all I got to do is he's got to make a move. Sure enough, he stepped into a shooting lane. I flip the safety off, put the crosshairs. He's just slightly quartered to me. I put the crosshairs on his front shoulder and let him have it, man. And he, you hit that, you know, I hit him hard. And you can hear that, you know, that, that, that pop when you, when you double on him. that, that, that that sound you get, you know, when you double on him, it's a good hit. I knew he hit hard. And, uh, he ran up a little bit, ran about 60 yards, did the wobbly legs and it fell over. And I was like, still in disbelief. I chambered another round, you know, another round in the chamber, you know, and, uh, I just was ready. I started picking out shooting lanes again. I'm like, I just knew he was going to get up all the all the stuff i've been through with this deer i knew deer. <laughs> i knew he was gonna walk out of my life man i just i just knew it so I, i'm i'm anchored again on okay if he moves over here i'm shooting if he moves i'm i'm already planning the next shot
2: you sound like parker
0: <laughs> i'm telling you man I've, I've had so much bad luck in, in you know you know in the past that i was like i couldn't believe it so i was like nope i'll shoot him again if he stands up i'm gonna shoot him again and uh you know he this one on i, I It must have been 30, 45 minutes. He never moved. I said, okay, (laughs) he's he's dead. Like, I couldn't believe it. He was down right there. And, uh, you know, I looked through my scope and got a good look at him, and I was like, man, I cannot believe this again. So I'm losing it. The tree set my gun up, and immediately I started polo and the guys on the Marco Polo group. And I'm like, oh, and let me just say, I don't know why, but I was in the moment. When I had to make these shots on these, on these bucks, I was completely calm. And I have no idea why. I didn't get, I just can't explain it. And the only thing I can remember is too tall. He's another another guy that I look up to in our Marco Polo group. And he, I remember him saying his to me a long time ago, it's just a deer. You can do this. It's just a deer. So I remember saying that in the back of my mind the whole time. I got, got his voice in the back of my head. A deer. A deer. I do this. You know the, just... the other
1: thing, Jvo too, is like a lot of times, whenever there's those type of hunts where everything's kind of happening fast, rut hunts, typically. Yeah, everything happens so fast, like it, it's easy to be calm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you, you don't, don't you don't, you don't have time to think. You don't have time. I noticed uh, most of the turkeys that I've killed this is a great example. Most of the turkeys I've killed. I haven't like watched them come from a long ways away because we're in terrain, they're coming up hillsides, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. I had one last week on Friday that, uh, so I always feel like I'm pretty solid, is what I'm saying, on my shot. Yeah. But I had one last Friday or on Friday that I got to watch it strut and do its thing for a long time before it came in, and by the time I was there to take a shot, like when when he walked into that opening in range I'm like shaking like a freaking leaf man like like what the junk is going on I can't stay steady on it. I'm shaking you know Uh, so I totally like those moments like that where everything's just really fast you know it's easy to kind of just stay calm and I mean there's something to be said too for setting up in a place where you get the quicker action like that rather than kind of that like i don't like to hunt big fields and power lines because
2: no
1: i don't want to watch them come from a long ways in yeah, I,
2: yeah that's man. how i miss all my deer
0: right oh, i've gotten buck fever in the past especially with a bow cuz i'm not a i'm not a good archer like i am not confident with my bow i won't take shots past 30 yards just because i i don't want the gut feeling of making a bad shot on a deer you know and and i get I get, I do get buck fever, but for whatever reason, I was able to stay extremely calm in this moment. And even when I Marco polled the guys, I remember all of them telling me, uh, they're like, man, how can you stay so calm? Because When I got down, cause I Marco polled them from the tree and I was like, Hey, this is scenario. This is what happened. And uh, I got down and I went over and covered this buck. I hadn't even got to the first one yet. I went straight to the big one. I've been after because It was just such a, glorious moment in my life i was man, i got to put my hands on this guy because you know how you know you see these deer in person or in game cam pictures you know until you put your hands on them, you just don't realize some of the characteristics they have down your base or maybe they got hit like he had a real funky uh puncture on the center of his uh of his head where he'd been fighting just all these things you know and putting my hands on him and i was i remember marco polo and the guys live and later that i guess day or the next day they're like man you were extremely calm so they started joking calling me uh you know because they call chase prince they call him the ice man because he's so he's just so cool calm and collect all the time like, <laughs> they started calling me like Iceman 2.0 and like baby Iceman and ice ice baby I'm, yeah like i'm a small guys so, you know they like making small guy jokes to me but you know they were like <laughs> mini mini ice man and all this stuff but i was just i guess i was so taken back by it that i didn't it was like an out-of-body experience man i didn't even think it was real i figured any moment my three o'clock alarm was going to go off and I was going to realize it was all a dream and I needed to go try to kill this buck but it wasn't a dream I mean it was uh real and I remember Marco the, you know these guys and I'm show I'm holding the rack and I'm like I can't get his rack in in the frame I've got to like do a wide pan like this is how big this buck is you know and it was surreal I just to this day like I'm a very I'm a humble person I try to stay humble in it you know and um yeah, I just Is it humble, J
1: to say you're a humble person?
0: I, I don't know. That's why it's, 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 <laughs> kind of, it's even yeah, it's awkward to even say that, but I just try to I try to stay humble. I'm not I'm not an arrogant person. And like a lot of people, and like Nick, one of my good buddies, you know, we call him pork chop on the group. I remember him hit me up a couple of days later and he's like, Man, you've been pool sharking us all this time. You ask all these questions and all the good and uh because I had killed a couple of does in the season with my bow and I I, I you know Marco pulled it live I got a I got a bow mount a phone mount on my bow and I've shot a couple bows you know a deer a does this year with my bow and I Marco pulled the whole thing and, and then now I kill these two yeah. and so my you know so Nick you know Porkchop is like man you've been you've been sharking us man you're you're some you're some like epic hunter and you you, you know you ask all these questions because he's like man you ask all these questions that I want to ask too you know we're, all, we're both trying to learn you know something pretty new in the game as far as you know and I don't consider myself like a trophy hunter at all. Like I just, I like to put meat in the freezer. I like to get some meat in the freezer. And then after that, I, I get a little, little more selective. And I would be lying if I if I said that I that there's something about killing a mature buck that doesn't make you just like proud and it's the ultimate chess match. And, you know, when you kill a mature buck and even a buck in Florida that's over 100 inches, it just, there's so much that went into that. A lot of failure, a lot of, a lot of good luck, some skill, and uh, it just all came together. Time and so for me to,
1: see, I mean, time I see, like oh, yeah, time, the time and... that it takes, dude. I've, I've talked about this several times. I don't know if I've talked about it on a podcast or not, but even here in Alabama, like we go. I've I've been going to Kentucky every year for probably the past five, six, something like that years. And mm-hmm. the amount of time that it takes to have an encounter, I'm not even saying to kill one, to have an encounter with a mature deer is very little. Like you can, you, and, and it seems like the further south, the harder it gets. And so you think about Florida, I mean, y'all are in rut, quote unquote rut of some yeah. kind. Um, Sometimes but, three ruts. Yeah, but, but you're, you're not talking about cool weather. Deer move better in cool weather. It is just, it's Mm -hmm. just part of it, right? I can go, there's a reason why you go to North Dakota in September and there's deer running around all over the place and down here they're not. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, a lot of it's weather related. So you guys are hunting the rut and it's, you know, probably 75 degrees, 80 degrees. So you're already, you got mosquitoes down there, you got swamps and mosquitoes, like it doesn't – you're not ever getting a winner, really. I mean, you might get a chill, but you're not ever getting a winner. Conditions are miserable. You're spending a lot of time going in there and not seeing yeah. anything, you know.
0: Yeah, it's of just A, a lot Florida. of Florida. Yeah, a lot of hard work, a lot of time, boots on the ground, breaking that area down, trying to understand, kind of, you know – how these deer are using this property. How how are they using it? Right. And that comes, that comes and goes like I'm running, you know, long-term, long slope cameras in there and there's certain times this area is completely just bone dry, mm-hmm. no deer and barely even a raccoon. And then there are certain times of the year where that is just on fire and understanding all that and understanding like, you know, I've been in there years hunting this, uh, this area and I was, didn't know what I didn't know. You know what I mean? didn't know what I didn't know. And so I was, most of the time I was pretty much leaving too much scent. I was hunting the wrong wind, didn't understand thermals. Um, the deer were patterning me. I thought I was trying to learn about them. They, they knew everything about what I was doing. And, um, and one thing I can, one thing I learned after the fact is eight days after nine days after I killed that buck an even bigger buck showed up on my camera. <laughs> and, and I was just um. like, Wow! Like I thought, I killed the mature buck in this area, and then even a bigger buck showed up, bigger rack and bigger—I'd say bigger body too. Like these deer, when I say they were big deer, the Florida hundred inches is big, but their body size was—I you know, actually broke my scale on a on the doe, so I didn't get to weigh them. But I had killed a hundred and sixty-one pound deer the previous year, so I knew what a hundred and sixty-pound deer looked like—you know, size looked like—and these deer were um the Actually, the bigger one, the 100 inch deer, he was probably right on that, right around that 160. And but that, uh, the 90 inch deer, he was probably closer to he was a little over that. If I had to guesstimate, he was 170, 180. Just that to me was the most impressive thing about these deer it was not only were they good antler wise, they were good mature deer, two of them, good mature bucks. And like I said, I've completely accepted that God gave me the best day in the deer was on that day. I've accepted it, I'm grateful for it. But I realize, like you know, some people never like know. like hey, is this my best day in the woods? And I- I've already had my best day in the woods, and I'm completely- <laughs> like, I'm I'm You're just good with that. yeah, yeah. Learn to be content, right?
2: Yeah,
0: that's what he says. You know, learn to be oh. content. I'm completely content with it. Um, but uh, one thing I want to say about that even bigger buck now—that's my new uh, new mission, right? My new obsession is uh, trying to figure him out so that I'm I reposition some cameras because he completely caught me off guard. He, he, that deer had me so figured out, had me so patterned that I didn't even know he existed. Okay. So I, I shifted some cameras. I immediately shifted some cameras around to just get eyes on it. And I figured it out. Or I think I got it figured out. The reason why I had never seen this buck is he's bedding next to my truck. Like he <sighs> was bedding next to my access trail, bedding if I, best guess, based on, you know, looking at, you know, doing some cyber scouting, looking at topography, he's literally, if if, if I'm right, he's betting next to my truck. And so, and there's a couple of things I can go into on why I believe that, but yeah, I finally, and I, and I finally moved some cameras around, got him patterned, and it's about time of year you can. It's hard, and that's one thing, like some people are kind of on the fence. I'm on the fence about hunting the rut. I love hunting the rut. It's exciting, but you can't pattern deer because there, it's the rut. They're, they're moving all over the place and and uh, I remember uh, I can't remember who it was that said it but they were like man I, I hate to hunt the rut I like hunting deer that are somewhat patternable especially mature deer because they're on this early season pattern or maybe late season pattern you have uh you can somewhat pattern them but when it's the rut for me it's kind of like I'm on the fence like I love it because it's exciting you never know what you're gonna see when you get up in that tree you know you, you try to do your best to use the uh, terrain and the and everything you know about that area to put yourself in that advantage but you never really can but anyway I've got some cameras moved around I've got some I've got him coming from an area in the evening and going to an area in the morning early morning and so I think I've got him pinned down to a particular bedding location during that time of year but it's going to take some time to you know try to collect some more information on him and And hopefully I can make a play on him. I actually did see him in person, got eyes on him when I tried making one last, you know, Hail Mary on him during late season hunt. And I went in on him uh, based on the little information I had. And I'm telling you, another 40 yards, if I'd have went another 40 yards north, I could have got it. I would have got a shot on him. Uh, I was just a little bit too far back. And when he crossed, he crossed a little further north than I thought he was going to. He actually... He did a little something else, too. He went due east to west. When I thought, based on the wind and everything I had witnessed, I thought he was going to come kind of come out of the northeast and kind of work into that southwest corner, and he didn't. He went directly across the property, caught me off guard, and, you know, obviously, he's smarter than me, and he's probably got a satellite bed somewhere else, and his primary bed's where I thought he was, and for whatever reason, he, he just didn't hit that primary bed where I thought he was going. And uh, he slipped me, but I got eyes on him, and so I got to see him. And he's 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 a great deer, and so he's hmm. he's my new obsession. Put it that way. Um, well, I hope you I'm kill him. See what happens. Yeah, I'm I sure. Mean, I,
2: I hope
1: I'm sure we'll I have- uh, we'll get to hear more about him too. I'm excited well, yeah. about watching it through I'll the season.
0: Yeah, I'll keep y'all posted in the Marco Polo group, and, and if I'm lucky enough to get him, uh, you know, I might I might just have to come on and do another podcast. You know,
1: <laughs> absolutely, we'd love it. We'd be, I'd <laughs> be, yeah. I probably wouldn't be as happy as you, but I'd be a, a happy camper if you go out and shoot that buck, man. Yeah. Really appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing this, uh, sharing this great story. Awesome story. Yeah, I, appreciate I yeah, hope thank you, you for I ahead. hope you bought a lottery ticket that day.
0: <laughs> That's what everybody says I didn't. I, yeah. <laughs> I was, man. Let me tell you what I was on cloud nine, and I was trying to stay humble in the moment. And they started calling me like Slaybo and all that stuff and it was fine I
2: mean,
0: man i had a, i had a little miniature fan group there for a while i had a bunch of groupies wanting selfies and and, and stuff it was pretty awesome man but like i said you know uh, after a few months you know kind of just reset and get after it again man you know you just on to the uh the next adventure and never forgetting those memories kind of like uh jeremy aaron says you know i'd rather be poor and make a Make a million memories.
2: Uh, that's anybody, that, that's, that's, what, that's well said, man. Well said. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And also, thank you for your service, um, for what you've done you. and what you're doing now. Um, but hopefully, we will uh, we can have you on and talk about this other deal you have. But that's uh, that's going to wrap it up for, for tonight. And uh, we appreciate you and appreciate y'all for listening. And uh, if you are interested in our Patreon or Marco Polo, app you can find that in our uh, description of the podcast but until then we'll see y'all next week hey guys thanks for listening
1: to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook or instagram or subscribing to the youtube channel and you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch read some blog articles and all that good stuff I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.